Right. Hey, can you look at someone and say, you make me giddy? <laughs> can you do that? All right. And then can you look at that person and tell them, focus? Uh, I hope your year is going well. 2020, if you weren't here last week, uh, you are out of the running for perfect attendance in Sunday worship, but it's okay. Uh, from here on out, you can still make it. Uh, 2020 means a lot of things. Um, one of the things it means here in Florida is that there's a new law that was passed that basically says you can get a ticket for texting. Did you know that? Uh, that's huge. It's called the, something like the Florida Distracted Driver Law. Um, yeah, the essence is if you are texting, you can get... Uh, ticketed even, even if you're not speeding or anything like that. Uh, but the, the letter of the law says a distracted driver is a driver who uh, something happens that causes them to take their eyes off of the road, their mind off of driving, or their hands off of the driving, the steering wheel. Okay, this is what it means to be distracted. Um, because the state of Florida is understanding what a lot of other states already knew and passed into law, is that distracted driving is dangerous driving. You ever been distracted as you were driving? I know, uh, if I can be honest, I would have gotten many a ticket if a cop saw me driving while I was distracted. And I say that to my shame because it's extremely dangerous both for me and everyone in my car, but for everyone who's in the, on the road at the same time as I am. Distracted driving is a very dangerous thing. I don't know if you've ever um, experienced this while you've been, I'm sure you have if you've been driving. Maybe if, you've, if you're not yet driving, you don't really understand the implications of it. But um, there have been uh, several times I'm, I'm driving behind a car and they're swerving off onto the shoulder very slowly and then they quickly jerk themselves back onto the road in the middle of, in, in between the lines. And I'm like, ooh, that person is very distracted. Anyone experienced that before? All right, a few of us have. Or um, you're driving in the left lane and the car's going like super duper duper slow and you're like, oh my gosh, why are they in this lane? And um, sometimes it's because they're elderly folks, but other times, other times it's because they're distracted. Or you're driving and the car in front of you is like, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the flow of traffic, but they're like miles behind the, the next car in, ahead of them, and, and there's all these cars behind you, and you're like, man, why are they going so slow? They're barely going the speed limit, uh, and you think they must be distracted. There's uh, one other example of a distracted driver. When you're sitting, uh, you're the second car in line, and the stoplight is red. There's a car in front of you. It turns green. The other lane's going. Everybody's going. All these cars are going, but that car's still there, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. Distracted driving is not only dangerous, it's extremely frustrating, at least it is for me. This is where um, a lot of my sinfulness comes out. And so um, last week, this happened, my family and I were driving, we're behind a car, and there's this car that's going like mad slow in the left lane, and so I'm like, dude, this is a problem. So here's what I do, and again, I, uh, to, again to my shame, I don't, I don't like telling stories like this because... I feel like the theme is the same. I have so many stories of me getting angry and impatient as I'm driving. So here's another one. They're all slow as they're driving, so I, this is what I do in order to, to, to prove my point. Um, I quickly turn into the right lane and go so fast that Olive's like, whoa, and she's like falling out the door. The kids are like tumbling on the ground in the back. But I go into the right lane, and as I'm driving past them, I look over just to make sure that I know who the perpetrator of this dangerous habit is. And I look over, 
And if it's, if it's an elderly person, oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, sorry person. But if it's not lot, eight out of ten times, it's a person driving like this, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, Olive, look at that person. They're doing it. All, all these people back there are doing it. I'm, like, getting so angry, and I'm, like, judging them so badly. And I'm like, dude, this person. And then just to make sure that they, the person in the other car knows how angry I am. I would never say it because I'll get killed. But I'll say to myself, and I'll say to the people in my car so that everyone in the car knows, that person is texting while they're driving. Don't you know that this is illegal? Don't you, you are a menace to society. You are a terror on the roads. You should be out. Everything, everyone in Central Florida needs to be careful. because of the people. And then all of a sudden I realize that that person is not the only distracted driver on the road. It's me too now. And I realize that there are pretty serious dangers to driving while distracted. There's probably not many things that are more dangerous to driving than when a driver is distracted. Whatever, it, whether it's alcohol, whether it's something in their bloodstream or, or something in their hands, whatever, I, whatever it might be, nothing can be more destructive or dangerous when driving than distractions. And could I venture to say that there's something equally dangerous to our lives as Christians it's called distracted discipleship. When we seek to live a life for Christ, but our minds are distracted, our hearts are distracted, our eyes are put in so many other places. Can I ask you this morning, are you distracted as you follow Jesus on the road of life? Are you distracted as you follow Christ because distracted discipleship can become a very dangerous discipleship, not only to yourself, but to those around you. Are you distracted today? Uh, here's an easy way to tell. If you've got a phone in your hand right now and you're looking at it, you're distracted. If you've got someone chirping in your ear right now, okay, you're distracted. If your thoughts are going to someplace else, yeah, you can smile because you're distracted right now. And what happens when you're distracted is that there's a danger in our discipleship. You will walk out of here saying, you know what? Praise was good. That message was good. It moved my heart. But, but come tomorrow, you'll have no idea what happened here in this place today. There's a danger in distracted discipleship. And the danger is that we think we're a lot better shaped than we actually are. Are you distracted? I want to help us to see whether or not we are by looking at two people, one who was distracted and one who got it right. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Um, if you are prone to distraction, then I would ask that today especially you give your attention to the word of God, your daily bread, and that you would give a hearing to God's word. If you let it, if you let it, this word will change your life. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. A familiar passage I preached on this almost exactly two years ago um, <clears throat> in the context of this series called One Thing, but today I want to talk about in the context of asking, what do you see? Okay, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This is God's word. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. Are you distracted? How do you know? Two thoughts today, very simple. Here's the first thought. Distractions can be good things or bad things, but they keep us from the main thing. Okay? Distraction can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, but it keeps us from the main thing. Jesus' disciples are going to Jerusalem, and they pass through a village called Bethany, and they, go, they, they stop by the home of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Okay? Martha and Mary, one of them is distracted, and the other is not. Okay, look at what it says. Uh, they got there, and verse 39, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So here's Mary. Okay, Mary, she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. She has found her center of gravity at the feet of Jesus. In fact, Three times where we see Mary in the Gospels, every time you see her in the same place. This is very, if you're playing hide and seek with Mary, it's very easy. You'll find her at the feet of Jesus. When her brother Lazarus dies, she's at the feet of Jesus. When uh, a jar of, of oil is broken, she's at the feet of Jesus. And here again, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She found, according to what Jesus said, the one thing that is needed, the main thing that is needed, not good things, not other things. She found the main thing, which is Jesus, a relationship with him, loving him and sitting at his feet. So she's there, and for however long this dinner gathering is, is, is going to last, one hour, two hour, three hours, four hour, five, five hour, however long it is, she's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. If you look at her, you might think she's lazy. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. She's found the one thing that's necessary. On the other hand, here's Martha. It says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that needed to go into housing and hosting and cooking and cleaning for Jesus. She's running around. If Mary is sitting stationary, the way that I imagine Martha to be, is she's like a Beyblade bouncing around from one place to another, like a pool, like a ball on a pool table bouncing from one place to another. If you time lapse this video of this time when Jesus visited the home of Martha and Mary, this time-lapse video, Martha is running around the entire house everywhere while Mary the whole time is just sitting there. You would think that she's in a coma because Mary has found the one thing that's needed, her center of gravity found in Jesus while Martha is looking for it in all of these places, distracted. And so she's so distracted, she doesn't even know it, that she tells Jesus to invite Mary into her distraction. Jesus, tell my sister to help me to be distracted like I am. She's distracted, and she doesn't even know it. Are you distracted this morning in your discipleship in your following, your pursuit of Jesus. Because it's easy for us to be distracted and not even know that we are. So Jesus says, Martha, you're distracted by a great many things. The, most, the main thing is to love me. You're serving me. You're busy for me. You're doing all of these things for me. You're teaching children's ministry. You're teaching our youth. You're leading a house church. You're leading worship. You're cleaning our church. You're doing all of these things, but the one thing that you're not doing is the main thing, and you're not sitting and loving me. She was distracted 
and she didn't even know she was until Jesus pointed it out to her. It's an interesting thing in our world because there are distractions everywhere we live also. And the challenging thing about distractions is that a lot of times we don't even know that we're distracted, one, but two, we're distracted and our culture even tells us that it's a good thing to be distracted. What do I mean? Of course, they don't, they don't say that. Hey, guys, be distracted. They don't say that. Here's how they say it. Multitasking for the win. Yeah, we can multitask because it increases our productivity. We can get multiple things done at once. While you're cutting your nails, you can talk on the phone. While you're doing the dishes, you can do all these other things. But studies are coming out saying that productivity actually decreases when we try to multitask because you're neither here fully nor there fully. And a lot of us are trying to multitask as we follow Jesus. And we've missed out on the main thing that matters, right? Why? Because remember, a distraction is it's anything. It's a good thing, it's a bad thing. If you're driving on the road, the main thing that you need to be focused on is the road, the signs, the cars in front of you, but all of a sudden, a lizard comes in the car. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but all of a sudden, you're distracted from the main thing. You're in the car and you're driving and your kid says, Mom, can I have some applesauce? And you reach into your bag to give your kid some applesauce and all of a sudden, a good thing has kept you from the main thing. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. But anything that keeps you from the main thing is a distraction. And so our world says, here you can multitask, but the challenge is when you're neither focused on one thing or another, a distracted life can never really be a focused life. It can never be a deep life. Here's what distractions do. They keep us shallow in our discipleship with Jesus. Do you feel like you're too shallow? Do you feel like the roots are shallow so that whenever hardship comes, you decide, I don't want to go to church? Or when hardship comes, you decide, I don't want to pray. Or when hardship comes, you get angry at God. You know why? It's because your roots are deep. Can I tell you? This is what Jesus said. The distractions of life come and they choke the seed from growing so that the fruit cannot be born properly. A distracted life is an unfocused life, will always be a shallow life because it's extremely difficult for us to be distracted and to be deep at the same time. I remember a time when uh, I was in a, in a prayer meeting before a worship service, and there was a lot, it, was, it was a full day, and I was in this prayer meeting, and one of the guys in the prayer meeting, there was just a handful of us, but one of the guys in the prayer meeting had uh, some other meetings afterwards, and so he was doing his last-minute prep for it, and so he was punching holes in some pe papers and stapling them together. And so a couple of the other guys, and, and we, we, two of us were there before everyone else got in, and said, hey, uh, why don't you give us some of those papers? We'll help you staple and punch holes in it. And he said, no, it's okay. And this is what he said. He said, I can punch hole staple and talk at the same time. That's what he said. And I remember being slightly offended, as was the other guy, because we, we were sharing before prayer meeting. We said, yeah, you might be able to do that, but can you staple and listen at the same time? Because when you're distracted and you're divided, you're not focused on the things that really matter. So you think about this. So here's Martha. She's distracted about many things. Mary has found the one thing that's needed, 
But the challenge is in seeing the fact that we're actually distracted because we live in a time where we're used to being distracted and it's become almost normal to us. How many times have you gone? You, you will do this today. I, I guarantee you. If you go out today to eat, you'll go out to eat at a restaurant and there will be at least one table where there's a party of two or more where every single one of them will be on their phones during the meal. And as you look around, you'll realize that's not the only table that's doing it, and you'll realize that being distracted from the main thing has become quite normal in our day and age. And the tragedy is that when it comes to our relationship with God, we have become okay with a distracted kind of discipleship. We don't think there's anything wrong with having our quiet time, our devotionals with our Bible in one hand while we check our cell phone messages on the other hand and with the other hand at the exact same time. And we're okay with that. Like we don't think there's anything wrong with that. Or we don't think there's anything wrong with being in worship service and as soon as a guy goes up to pray, you look at, you take out your phone and start looking at it and you think that's completely fine. Or in the midst of worship, you're like, oh, I like that song that they're singing. I wonder what it is. And you pull out your phone and you start looking up the words. We think that's okay. I remember being at a, at a worship thing with, um, with Hillsong Church, at, 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 um, not with Hillsong's worship band a long time ago. And a, a singer named Brooke Frazier came up to sing. And at the time, she was all of everybody's business. And so people took out their cell phones and they were taking video of her. And she said, Put your cell phones away. I will not be your golden calf. I will not be this man-made object of worship. Put your phones away. We are worshiping the living God. The problem is we've become normalized and think it's normal for us to be distracted in our worship. Think about the saints of old who knew the one thing that they needed. Think about Moses who said, God, I, I don't, <clears throat> just give me a glimpse of your glory. I just want to see a glimpse of your glory. Let your glory, your goodness, pass before my eyes so that I might see you. Moses didn't do that and then say, hold on, God, I missed it. I missed it. I could have, I want to do it for the gram. Do that again. Let me so I can take it. I missed the picture. of. He would never, never cross his, not just because they didn't have technology back then, but it would never cross his mind that he's doing it for anything other than the sheer fact of wanting to see God in all of his glory. When Joshua, the son of Nun, went into the tent of meeting and he lingered there, he didn't linger. The reason he was there for such a long time wasn't because he was doing that while he was texting his friend saying, yeah, I'm hanging out with God right now, and that's why I took him so He wanted unhindered worship and enjoyment of the presence of God. The psalmist, you hear it all the time, better is one day, just one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. He didn't say that and say, oh my gosh, I need to tweet that before it gets, uh, before I, I forget it. No, he was doing it because of God's goodness. It was the most important thing in his life. One thing, I, they, they understood what the main thing was and they were not distracted by it. And sadly, so often, though we may know what the main thing is, we're distracted from it because it has become normal to us <clears throat> to be distracted in our discipleship and our worship of God. In fact, I'm almost certain that some of you in here did not even know that you were distracted until you started hearing this message. Martha had no idea. She thought that she was doing the right thing, right? just doing all of these things without spending time with Jesus, sitting at his feet. She thought she was doing the right thing until Jesus said, Martha, 
Martha, take a chill pill. Sit at my feet. Mary's found it, right? She's found the one thing. Martha's heart was so distracted that you get the sense as you read this that even if she were to sit at his feet, her heart would still be racing, distracted by a great many things. You know that you're distracted because you start making all of these demands of Jesus. Jesus, tell her to do this. Tell her to do that. Tell her to come and join me instead of being lazy and sitting at your feet. Jesus said, no, 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 Martha. She's the one who's got it right. She's got it right. Can I ask you, what's distracting you as you walk in this journey with Christ? It can be a good thing. It can be things like your work is a great thing, but if you're working too much to spend time with Jesus, your hobbies are a great thing, but if that's the reason why you're not spending time with him, I'm just too busy, I'm just too, I don't have enough time. The issue is not time, okay? The issue is that you're distracted. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, uh, what your main thing is may be different. But if you're a Christian, your main thing unequivocally is Jesus Christ, being with him. And if you're too busy and you don't have time to be with Jesus, that's a distraction issue. Good things or bad things. Spending too much time on things that waste your time. That keep you from being with Jesus. Distractions, they're good things or bad things, but they're anything that keeps you from the main thing. That's the first thing that we see. Second thing that we see here from Mary is that the most important thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's the most important thing. When I was in, in college... I was part of a campus ministry called Grace Christian Fellowship, and it was a, uh, just a really vibrant and thriving campus ministry. Um, I grew so much in my relationship with the Lord. I gave my life to Christ during those years and, and really encountered uh, God and learned what it meant to, to live for him and to live on mission for him. And <clears throat> so we had, you know, we had Sunday worship. We had small group meetings during the week. We had Wednesday night prayer meetings. We had... Um, Every morning we had prayer meetings, we had Friday night large group meetings, we had different gatherings and, and, and things, and leaders meetings on Sunday night, and so it was, it was constant, um, constantly there were opportunities to feed our relationship with the Lord, and, and, and I did, and, and I remember talking to people who would graduate, and they would go and leave uh, the campus ministry and go to Northern Virginia, and they called it Nova. They would say, oh my gosh, you know, uh, you should enjoy uh, GCF as much as you can because once you get out and you go to Nova, it's like so hard to live for Christ. It's so hard to live for Jesus. And, and I remember thinking to myself, man, everyone says it's really hard to live for Christ outside of college, but I didn't fully understand what they meant. I, it just, I mean, I understood it cognitively, but I didn't understand it at a heart level. And so when I graduated college and I went back to the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, and I started living, and I just tried to do the things that I did. I got myself involved in fellowship, had accountability, shared the gospel, served the church, had my personal devotion, went to church on Sundays, got involved in ministries. And after two years of, of living there before I moved down here, when people would say, how's Nova? It's like so different. It's so hard, isn't it? Like, honestly, I said, I, I didn't think it was very hard at all. I feel like I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. I love him as much as not more than I did when I was in college. And to me, it was rather simple. I said, it's not hard to live for Christ outside of college or outside of whatever context you grew the most. It's not hard as long as your eyes are fixed on Christ. I mean, 
maybe it's overly simplistic, but that's really what I thought. It's what I said. I said, as long as your eyes are fixed on Christ, it's not hard. And my suspicion was that everyone who told me that it was so hard is that their eyes were not fixed on Christ. That in time they had become distracted by the allure of money or by a new set of friends or by the work life or by happy hour, whatever it was that was keeping them from fixing and locking their gaze on Jesus. That's what made it difficult for them. See, here's Mary. You imagine how many, dis- she had distractions. You know, if, if like someone is, is doing something, like even, even here at church, if someone's setting up chairs and I'm just sitting there, like I feel really bad not getting involved and helping them. You know, that's, that's kind of, it, it's hard. If someone is like doing something or, 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 or trying to move a basketball hoop and I'm just sitting there and they're, they're struggling to do it all by themselves, I'd want to help out. Here's Mary. Martha's running around doing all of these things. You think there was a desire for her to go and say, hey, Martha, I'll give you a hand. Or <clears throat> at least when Martha's saying, Mary, you lazy sister, get up and help me. Or, hey, when she starts telling Jesus to tell Mary to do something about it, don't you think that it would be kind of like a burden in her to feel like, oh, yeah, I need to get up and I need to do something about it. But she doesn't. She stays at the feet of Jesus because it says she's chosen what is better. There's three kinds of people. You might have heard this before. There's three kinds of people. There's some who when distractions come, they start accusing other people, accusing the distraction. I I was talking to someone this week. Why aren't you growing spiritually? What's going on in your life? And, and, And there's a bunch of reasons why we might say, why are you so distracted in your discipleship? There's some people who start accusing so this person I was meeting with this week um, went back to their home. They're, they're from out of, out of town. But they said, I haven't been going to church on Sunday mornings. I said, why not? They said, oh, I can't wake up. I was like, dude, do that. Your service is at 1130 in the morning on Sunday. Like, you can't wake up for that. And they're like, nah, I can't wake up. I was like, what are you doing on Saturday night? And they're like, oh, after I come home from work, I, I just go on YouTube and I just watch videos. I was like, how many hours of videos are you watching? He's like, I go on YouTube from like 10 o'clock until like 6 in the morning and then I can't wake up. It's like, there's your problem. He's like, no, 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 that's not my, the, the, the problem is I go on YouTube and then, you know, and then he starts like, he starts like explaining all of the like science of social media to me. He says, you know, you, you go on one video on YouTube and they've got these algorithms down so that they recommend these videos that pop up right after it. And they're like, so, they know me so well. And, and because of that, I can't stop watching. And then I want, and then the next one comes up and then the next one comes before I know it's 6 a.m. I was like, dude, I have an easy answer for you. Got an easy answer for you. Close YouTube and go to bed. But but sometimes we're we're so good at accusing other people. Like the reason I'm distracted is because of the distraction. Of course it is. That makes perfect sense. But you accuse other people. Some other people make excuses. Well, the reason I'm distracted, well, just look at other people. They're distracted too. I'm not the only one. That's part of our generation. It's part of our culture. We're millennials. All of us have smartphones. All of us are texting each other. All of us are messing around. All of us are thinking about other things. All of us are distracted, and we begin to make excuses why we need to be distracted. Mary didn't accuse Martha. She didn't excuse herself. She chose, okay? There's choosers who say, I'm going to rise above the distractions. 
Because can I tell you, distractions will always be there. <laughs> they will always be there. Either you will overcome distractions or distractions will overcome you. Either you will conquer distractions or distractions will conquer you. It's a choice that you need to make. Don't excuse it. Sometimes you come into worship and say, man, yesterday, football game on TV, Tennessee Titans played in Baltimore. So in Baltimore, all the Baltimore fans come out, right? I was watching this football game, and the Tennessee kicker, okay, he, he comes up to kick a field goal, and his mission is to take this, this oval ball and to kick it through a, a pair of sticks, right? Very simple mission, except for the fact that in Baltimore, ain't nobody there want him to make it. And so they're distracting him, they're yelling at him, they're waving their arms, they're holding up signs, they're blowing noisemakers, all kinds of things, and he's still got to kick it through. What is he going to do? Tell the referee, tell the distractions to stop before I kick? Of course not. He can accuse them and say, oh my gosh, these people are so rude. Don't they know I'm a human being? What about my feelings? He could accuse them. He could have excused and say, no one can make it. My, ki- my family can't make it. None of y'all who are watching can make it. I can't believe you're expecting me to do this. Make excuses. Or he could choose and say, you know what? I'm going to focus so that I can kick the ball and rise above the distractions. And that's what we need to do. Are you distracted right now? Can I tell you something? I just want to hit this for a little bit. And I don't, you, you can be offended if you want. A couple people, okay, let, let, me, let me preface this. Educational theory says there is an educational T, right? So the first row is the top of the T, and then down the middle of the classroom is the, is the tall part of the T. These people uh, always statistically get the highest grades in the class. Because these are the people who are undistracted from what the professor, what the teacher is saying. In the church, statistically, I'm just kidding, there's no statistics (laughs) about that. But I wonder how, how much more we're distracted because of the things that we see. There are a couple people who usually sit in the first two or three rows of our worship service. They had to sit in the back one day because they were late or because something happened, and they said, they came and they said, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how anyone can worship from back there. There are so many distractions. There are babies who are staring at you, and everyone around is looking at the baby, okay? I know there's a baby back there. I'm not, I'm not blaming. It's not her fault. She doesn't know any better. Everyone is looking at the baby. <clears throat> you need to rise above that, friends. You need to rise above that. Distractions are always going to be there. People are talking around me. You need to rise above that. People are walking around and being distracted. Can I tell you? I I say this to my son when he goes pee on his bed in the middle of the night. I say, uh, Olivia and I say, Elijah, you need to go pee before you go to bed so that you don't have to pee when you're sleeping. If you need to keep getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of worship, I have a suggestion. Go before you come into worship. It's an easy fix because when you get up and go, you distract not only yourself but other people as well. This is what happens. If your experience of worship is it was good, yeah, it was good, but my life is not being changed. I'm not encountering God. I forgot the things that, I'm talk- that, that, that DL is talking about. Then your worship is being distracted by something. I had a friend in high school. 
Okay? We worshiped in a, high, in a middle school auditorium, and I would tell him, we didn't have cell phones, so I had to call him the night before, hey, I'll be sitting in the middle row in the, uh, on the aisle, you can come and find me and sit next to me. Uh, and every time he would come in, and it was a kind of auditorium where people would walk in from the front. So if you're in the congregation, you see everybody. So I'm sitting in the congregation in the middle. My friend Jason comes in. I was like waving at him, and he don't even look at me. It's like he doesn't even know I exist, doesn't even know that I, I told him last night to come. And he sits on the other side all by himself. Ain't nobody there. I was like, dude, why are you sitting there? Why are you being a loser? I'm not a loser. A loner. Why are you doing stuff like that? And then after worship service, I was like, dude, uh, Jason, we called him Babar because he's like a little elephant. I said, Babar, dude, how come you didn't come sit next to me? Uh, and, and he said, because I knew that if I sat next to you, I'd be distracted from worshiping God. So I just wanted to, it's for an hour and a half. We can play basketball afterwards. We can talk after. We can do whatever we want afterwards. But during worship, I don't want to be distracted. Was I offended? Yeah, I was offended. You chose God over me? Are you kidding me? No, that's ridiculous. But he did because he knew what really mattered in life. And the most important thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, even when you walk in here on Sunday mornings. Some of us are so used to being distracted in our discipleship that we don't know what it is that there's a prospect of a deeper discipleship available to us. Dream bigger, friends of God. There's a vision of God that's far greater, the kind of vision that caused men and women to lay down their lives in glad witness, that caused men and women to say, everything I abandoned to follow Christ. Are you seeing him? Are you seeing that vision of your Savior? Or do you think it's okay because at least my friends are happy with me and I'm not offending them? We were meant for so much more than a shallow discipleship, than a distracted discipleship. We were meant for so much more than what we're experiencing of God. There are higher heights. There are deeper depths. Man, I long, I, I, I long for our Omega service. What if this was a cell phone-free worship zone? That you just remove the distractions from yourself. You choose to do that. Say, when I walk in here, all right, I'm going to put my phone in my bag or I'm going to turn it off. It's not difficult. What kind of a God would you see if you were unhindered and undistracted in your worship of him? What would that look like if for a year you decided to do that? And you chose a new normal that goes beyond what everyone else says is normal. What if you came in here and said, you know what, I know my friends are going to bother me. I, I just have a suspicion because the last 52 weeks of 2019, they tried to talk to me every worship service. Maybe I'll sit somewhere else. How would that change our perspective of God in worship? And, and I know maybe if, if this was me listening in my younger days, I might, I might be, like, so prideful that I say, oh, no, if I move now next week, then they're going to think I did it just because he said that. And I was going to do it, but because he told me to do it now, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Whatever it takes, friends, for you to be undistracted in seeing and savoring and embracing the beauty and the wonder of Jesus with clear eyes and with full hearts, what would you see? You would see a Jesus who was not distracted by anything. 
His mission, the glory of God and the salvation of the souls of men and women. And so when he sat down at a well to talk to the Samaritan woman, you remember? His disciples were all, where they came back, they're like, Jesus, what, what, what are you doing here? Like, what, how come you're not eating? And, and you would imagine if they had cell phones at the time, they would have texted Jesus from the nearby village, Jesus, what should we get you to eat? I've got food that you have nothing, that you know nothing about. They're like, oh, you must have found someone. Jesus, he's talking with a Samaritan woman. He's not pulling out his cell phone saying, hold on, hold on, Sammy, I got a text from my disciples asking me what I want. You want something to eat? It wasn't like that. He said, when I'm talking with a Samaritan woman who knows nothing but half-hearted, distracted love, I'm going to give her all of my love and all of my attention. There's a dude, a leper, who hasn't been touched ever since his body parts started falling apart and nerve endings started to die. And Jesus starts touching him. He doesn't say, hold up, Peter. Peter, take a picture of this. This would look really good for our Jesus kingdom movement here. Take Take a picture and post it up so that everyone sees this is good propaganda. He didn't do that. He wasn't using people for that purpose. Hey, disciples, go out onto the water because um, you don't know. I'm going to walk on water, and <laughs> it's going to, like, blow up Twitter when I do this. It's going to break the Internet. When I take a picture of myself walking on water, shoot. He wasn't. When you look at Jesus, when you, if, you, if you peel back your distractions long enough to see the Jesus of Scripture the way that Jenna did as she, as she shared in her testimony, you peel back the scriptures, you will see a Jesus who is laser focused on the mission. Nothing could distract him from that. Not even whipping, not even accused, false accusation, not even lies, not even a family that told him he was crazy, not even a cross was able to deter Jesus from that mission of loving God for his glory and loving people for the sake of our salvation. In fact, he, he loves in, in this way that if you were the only person on the earth to love, Jesus would love you with an everlasting and eternal love. And if you're the only person in this world, he would still come to this earth to die just for you. He was not distracted by anything else, but he gave and he gave and he gave to a divided, distracted, hindered, confused people, and he gave everything in order that we might know a focused, undying, personal, passionate, powerful, indestructible love. And he says, if you know that love, don't you want to know that love in a deeper way? Don't you want to know that love? Because that's what the world is dying to know. It's what the world is dying to experience. It's what they're dying without. But in knowing that love, you can be my hands and feet, these agents of love. Let's clear our eyes, clear our hearts, clear our minds of our distractions, whatever they might be. When you come in here, when you go out there, when you spend time in your devotions, let's remove our distractions so that we could see Jesus. When we do, when we do, this year will be the deepest, will be the highest, will be the greatest year of our discipleship journey. Let's pray together. What are your distractions this morning as you come to worship the Lord God? What are the things that keep you from really being able to see Jesus? In a couple weeks, we're going to do a Daniel fast where we give up social media. We encourage you to do that. Give up uh, good things in order that you might focus on the main thing. Lent will start next month as well. I want to really challenge you to think through and pray through. What would you do then... And then ask, why wait till then? If it hinders you then, 
hinders you now. If it's good for you then, it'll be good for you now. Not Maybe not the food thing, but maybe the distraction things that keep you from seeking and loving Jesus. What keeps you from seeking him with all of your life, with all of your heart? Good things, bad things, neutral things. But unless you begin to get specific, it will always remain in the realm of the superficial and theoretical. Let's make some choices now. What are you going to do? Maybe one day out of the week. Maybe I, I watch Netflix three days a week. I'm cut it down to two. And I'm going to really spend time in the Word of God, in prayer. Maybe, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going out and I'm doing my leisure activities. And I, I can choose any day of the week to do it, but I choose to do it on a Wednesday. When I used to come to prayer meeting, maybe God's calling you, hey, come back to the heart of it all. Find your center of gravity in Jesus. What do you need to do? Let's not be distracted. Let's come back to the heart of worship. Come back to Jesus. Let's pray for a minute, a minute and a half. Just honestly, sincerely praying. Lord, remove distractions so that I might see you clearly, so that I might follow you closer than ever before. Let's pray in our hearts. Pray out loud or you can pray quietly. Just honestly and sincerely, let's pray. heaven we want to be more like Mary who found her center in you and found that being at your feet was the best place in the world to be she never wanted to leave and she wanted everything she did to flow out of that so Father we pray that you would help us Forgive us for being so distracted. Forgive us for being so flighty from one thing to another, moving, bouncing around, finding our identity, our comfort, our hope in other things. Father, forgive us for thinking that something else mattered more than you. Lord, would you remove our distractions, our hindrances, our obstacles, our blinders in order that we might see you and see you fully, see you clearly, see you only in order that we might live to honor you. Thank you so much that you set your sights on us and you did not stop even running through a cross, running through a tomb until you had us as the object of your affection. Help us to love you in response beginning now. We thank you so much and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.